never give up. Mm-hmm. Ever. No matter how tough it gets, no matter how hard, or even if there are times where you feel like, I can't do this anymore, don't give up. Jesus never gave up on us. Welcome to the Watch Me Rise podcast, where our goal is to help children and families move from trauma to triumph. We will provide very real conversations about the impact of early trauma while providing undeniable hope that true healing can be found. Here are your hosts, former foster youth, Trent Taylor, along with his adoptive mom, Pam Taylor. Hey, Trent. Hey. Are you ready to start your college classes on Monday morning? Um, sure. (laughs) Ready or not. Sounds so enthusiastic. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about some of the classes you're taking because you're going to learn a lot more about behavior. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It'll be developmental psychology mm-hmm. and then sociology of the family so it's going to help me you know learn more about child development and the way family works and behaviors of a child and then like the functionality of a family and the behaviors and actions that go with that so i think that's really going to help me with my understanding and when you know mentoring and helping others and ultimately your career as a counselor exactly right? yeah well, I'm excited about that um, because it's going to teach you more about behavior, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. today. This is a really, really important topic. Yes, it is. Because I would venture to say that every child from a hard place is probably going to exhibit some behavioral issues at some point along their journey. I have not met a single child who has not. Yes. And that's <laughs> perfectly understandable and to be expected, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, so we're going to talk about this because quite often when we're serving families, unfortunately, they have this misconception that if they open their home to a foster or adopted child and show them love, that that's going to be enough, right? That's going to be enough to... Oh, don't we wish. Yeah, yeah, I wish it was. I mean, and it's nothing against the parents. I mean, honestly, because a lot of them just don't understand the process and how things work, you know, and then the, the changes in the brain and whatnot. So I think it's just more of a place of not being educated. It is, the, it is, the, completely, in the, in yes. This, in this area yeah you know and just being a little naive and just wanting it to be good it's you know? funny you should say that because i think i was one of those yes <laughs> <laughs> and i was trained in behavior management yes you. i were. had a degree yeah. in in child development and special education mm-hmm. had taught 17 years yeah. children with disabilities Look that and you. i had the uh false misconception that there is nothing that can be thrown at me that I can't handle. Mm-hmm. Until, I was wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there's nothing I can't handle until these boys come in my life. Well, I learned real quick that my traditional training in behavior management and all that was pretty much useless. Yes. Because parenting a child um, from hard places requires a very different skill set. Oh, yeah. Um, since that time, I've become a practitioner in trust-based relational intervention out of uh, TCU mm-hmm. and have learned 
all those skills. But I did not have those at that time. No, you did not. Unfortunately. Yeah. So I learned the hard way. Mm -hmm. So we are here today to kind of talk people through that and share what we know. We're also going to be doing a lot of webinars and very, very in-depth, detailed trainings on how to address behaviors. Mm -hmm. But today we're just going to talk about some of the basics. I know you don't like talking about this. Because, you know, people see you now and you are about, you know, the most well-behaved and you have been for many years. Yeah. They see this perfect teenager, but they have no idea what happened early on, right, in the placements. You know, some families have followed us all the way through and friends. Yeah. um, So tell me why this subject's a little bit difficult for you. Well, you know, looking back, I just feel really bad about what I put you through. I mean, I put you through a lot. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest and I just feel bad about doing that but you know you don't need to feel bad about that right I, I know I don't need to feel bad about it yeah and you know look where it's gotten us now right you know? right I don't regret it well let's talk about some of your your behaviors um you and your brother appeared very differently in the way that your behaviors came out and I'm not going to yeah. tell his story today but we're no. going to tell yours yeah you were angry I was Rightfully so. I was just so furious and enraged and just angry at everything and anything. Well, right. Your world was filled with, you know, before coming here, it was filled mm -hmm. with abuse and neglect and chaos and constant movement. And yeah, I think anybody would would be feeling anger. So that was to be expected. Um, That came out in some pretty defiant behaviors. Yep. Because um, I didn't know how to express it in other ways. Of course. You know. Yeah. I, I was never taught, you know, if you're angry, this, these are the appropriate reactions sure. or appropriate ways to express it. So I basically, you know, I was angry, had no idea how to express it in an appropriate manner. So I expressed it in the best way I knew how. Yeah. Which was defiance mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mostly defiance, I would say. Um, which looked, you know, people are wondering what that looks like, but you know, you'd never gotten violent, but, no, never. but you, you refused yeah. <laughs> to do things quite a bit yeah. and okay. we would, we would go head to head and, mm-hmm. and battle a little bit. Um, so why you, why, why the misbehavior? Because I, I had to test. I had to make sure that no matter what happened, no matter what I did, I wasn't going anywhere. And I had to do that because that's happened before in previous placements. Where behavior got too bad, pack up and move. So I had to make sure that you weren't going to be like the others. And I wasn't going to move again. Even though you had a piece of paper hanging on the wall that said you were ours forever. What did that piece of paper mean to you? Uh, at the time, nothing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think know? so many families are like, well, adoption's done. Yeah, so the no. child should be perfectly content. And, yeah. you know, no, that yeah. piece of paper meant nothing no, to you. All, right? all, that, yeah. all that means is that social workers are out of your life. Yeah. But that yeah. doesn't mean that nothing's going to, you know, that, that there's, you know, even though it wasn't rational. Because you guys were never, ever going to give up on me. Right. Or never, you know, especially at that point when we had fought so hard. Right, right. You know, but it was still that irrational fear that was ingrained in my head from such a young age. Absolutely. So you had to test. Yes. And do you, would you venture to say that most children, you know, from hard places have to test? Almost all, if not all. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Because, yeah. you know, you, you moving from house to house... You know, and from family to family and being hurt and neglected and abused and everything like that, 
it's like you just learn not to trust anybody straight up you don't trust mm-hmm. anybody so that's why you have to test if you test and they prove to not be trustworthy okay boom that's another adult put it in the don't trust file and yep. lock it away yep you know but when you <laughs> next exactly, right? yeah. exactly move on to the next yeah but when you find someone where you test and they stick with you you test more and more and you like get you know make it you know worse and worse like more and more you know just i don't really know how to explain it but like you said up the ante with it mm-hmm. and but at that point it's like okay these people real are either like really stubborn or they really want me you know so when you when you did misbehave mm-hmm. which you did yeah a lot a lot yes did you think you were going to get kicked out every time of course yeah yeah because it's happened before so i don't know yeah I, I know and that broke my heart honestly yeah. and i think i had to come to you every time and yeah. reassure you with words and dad would mm-hmm. reassure you with words that that was not going to happen yep. right but that constant fear of loss i think yes was there yeah Persi- yeah, yeah. persistent that was, yeah. and that sense of loss was like <laughs> you could might as well have just stamped it on my forehead i fear losing the ones i love mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. And even after adoption, I still felt that sense of fear of losing what I had. And let's be honest. Do you still fear losing the ones you love? Of course, but in different ways. Right. Yeah. Like, what does that look like now? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, getting sick or mm-hmm. dying or, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. You so not, so of natural that, causes and ex- not, exactly. not, of, not of being asked to leave or... Yeah. Yeah, because you're very secure in, in yeah. your family attachment mm-hmm. and everything yeah. now. Yeah. So the only so the only way I would like the only fear I have of losing you is not because of anything is like it would basically be something out of our control. Right. Right. You know, not so that's changed over exactly, time. Exactly. Yeah. Not something that we would decide or we would choose. Right. Yeah, you know that's not gonna happen. <laughs> exactly. Like something that we yeah. Yeah. Not in our control. So you pretty much lived in a state of fear for the first long while, well, all through foster care. And oh, then yeah. when, even when you were here, as much as we would have loved to open the door and take all your fears away, you were in a state of fear. And yep. what happens to your body when you're in that chronic state of fear? You have cortisol pumping through your veins constantly. And cortisol is a, a stress hormone that's released in times of chronic stress. And over time, it just takes its toll on your body. You know, if you let it go on long enough, it's going to start physically damaging you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's basically like having 10 cups of coffee or riding like one of the most intense roller coasters of your life with that rapid heart rate, you know, that constant on alert or like being, it's like being in, stuck in a haunted house that never ends. Mm, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it was. And over time, these these trauma effects, we're not going to get into too much detail, but they change your brain, right? Yes. They make it difficult to problem solve. Mm-hmm. They make it they make it so you're impulsive. Yeah. Um, they, they, you're keyed up all the time, yep. right? You have difficulty in functioning. And there are like physical brain changes as well mm-hmm. with the um, neural connections and synapses and things like that. That basically the things that make your the fire and send messages in your mm-hmm. brain that'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, you do this when this happens and things like that. But for me, I didn't have that little thing in my head that was working correctly saying, okay, when this happens, 
you this is the response you should be doing. Right. You know, right. So there are also physical brain changes, which then change your behavior and the way you act and interpret and react to certain things. So until we break that fear down, right? Yep. And the fear disarms, yes. then it's really difficult to keep behaviors in check. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, because of all of that cortisol and all the things happening, the response is really a can't. Exactly. And, you know, when you, I was with you when you were taking that course. And when you came back to the hotel when we were in Texas and you, like, were saying that, I was like, huh. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Wow. I'm glad someone figured that out. Yes. It just made so much sense to me, honestly. It's like, yes, it, like, I even told you, like, when I was, when I would freeze up, you know, when I would, when I would freeze out of those, out of those responses, like, my mind was like, I want to comply with what you're saying. I want to do what you're asking, but I physically could not get my body to follow what I wanted. And I didn't understand that until I took that training. Yeah. And that's so critical for people Mm -hmm. to understand. Like, I physically could not and that move. looks like defiance exactly. if you don't know better it mm-hmm. just looks like a Mm-mm, not gonna do it not gonna move exactly and that's a can't not a won't so there we did have one thing that could break you out of that and yep. even though your attachment was so strong with me yes what broke you out of those frozen moments a simple hug from my dad yep he didn't say anything nope right he just came up and he hugged you mm-hmm. in those moments. Which would, honestly, looking back, which is like, I don't understand why that was so effective because, you know, I had a really, you know, hard time connecting with males because of my abuse, mm-hmm. you know, with my biological uncle. You know, I was like, you know, I was kind of, but for some reason, you know, I just, it broke me down completely. You know, it broke me out of that freeze moment and. It allowed me to, you know, calm down and and get my thoughts collected. It kind of amazed me because I would sit there and work with you for, you know, a long time. Hours and hours. And then she'd walk in and and just give you a hug and everything was, you know, you'd break out of it. Mm -hmm. Because even though I wasn't able to, like, it took a while before I was able to start, you know, being able to attach, you know, on an emotional level. I just, for some reason, I always felt safe around him, you know, Mm -hmm. because, like, Mm -hmm. you know, he was, he's big and muscular and I you know I wanted someone to protect me physically you know as well as emotionally like oh I felt, that makes sense I felt yeah. like yeah. you were my emotional protector and he was your physical he was protector. my physical protector that makes sense and that's yeah. why when I, I was so you know that's why he was able to break me down just being held in his arms and then at that moment I could see I could literally see your body that was so stiff mm-hmm. kind of loosen yeah and then you would break into tears mm-hmm. and then from there we could Yes. Process and move on. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That was pretty much the routine almost every yeah. time. He literally had magical hugs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, like I've seen that in like the Santa Claus movie with Jack Frost and the little girl who's like hugs are so warm. Yeah. That's what he had for me. The comfort, the comfort yes. hug. That sense yeah. of comfort and safety, like instant. Yeah. Felt like it's okay. Like safety. And he yeah, didn't exactly. say one word, I don't think. No. He just, no. Said, he just said, come here. Yeah. Give me a hug. Yep. And you know, yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing. Um, so we know that behaviors are unmet needs, right? Mm-hmm. That's also a TBRI concept. And we as parents need to view it that way. Mm-hmm. A behavior is 
communicating something. Yeah. Always. And we need to be detectives and be very attuned and be study our children yes. to see mm-hmm. what that unmet need is. You know, is it fear? Do they need to feel safe? You know, do they need to process something? Do, mm-hmm. Is it a sensory issue? There's yeah. so much, so many possibilities. Um, it can even be nutrition and hydration type yeah. things. Um, but we need to remember that behaviors are unmet needs. Exactly. Because if we don't, we're going to go head to head and we're going to battle. Yep. And I can tell you, and you can tell that it does not work. Right? Never. No. I mean, you might, you might get your way in the moment, but what that does to attachment between a child and a parent, it kind of starts to make it so that's really hard for that child to attach. They might comply. You might think you like you won that battle. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, you lost and you lost hard. So we didn't do that too much after no. I learned. Yeah, right? exactly. There were moments, believe me, I'm going to own it. There were moments when I lost my patience and I had to walk out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's it was not easy. No, it was I'm tough. sure it wasn't. I mean, I put you, know, you guys through a lot. And I tested to like as far as I could test and it takes its toll on you know on a person's mental health and you know like patience and whatnot so mm-hmm. and um, then as a parent you sometimes feel like a failure if you lose your exactly. temper especially with a child who's already been through trauma exactly um but after I learned these skills through TBRI mm-hmm. I learned that the the way to healing mm-hmm is attachment and yes. doing it together, walking mm-hmm. this journey side by side. Exactly. Thankfully, we had done that right for mm-hmm. the most part, yeah. even before I learned that. Um, but that walking the journey together yeah. is is what's healing. So let's talk a little bit about what didn't work. You just said going head to head, not going to work. No. Right? Not going to work. It's going to be a battle. Yes. Every time that's going to get escalated, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't work. Nope. What about tangible rewards like having you work for, you know, when you were younger is when you had the behavior problems. So having you work for toys or earn candy or earn things. Let's see. I don't know if I actually did this, but like thinking back, you know, I probably would have just been like, have the toys. You know, like, you know, like, you, you know, like some parents I hear like, you know, you gotta do this, or you're gonna lose TV privileges, or you're gonna lose this toy, and like they'll just go in their room and hand you the toy themselves. To be Why? honest with you, Why? because we have never had anything that lasts more than a few months or a year. We had never. We've lost. We lose everything. So stuff didn't matter. To not you. not at all. I remember that because from my you know conventional behavior management training, I'm like, oh. You know, rewards, punishments. Yeah, yeah no. No. Not, not at all. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. That did not work. No. Right? You didn't care. No. because You're like, I'm going to lose it anyway, exactly. so go ahead and have it. Exactly. Like, right? I've never, never had it before, and usually when I do have things like that, I lose them anyway, so go ahead and take it. Mm-hmm. So what we had to do instead, and what did work, um, was that key concept of felt safety, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to describe felt felt safety and what that means? Basically, what felt safety means is doing whatever it takes to make the child feel safe, even if it seems completely silly to you. Like, for an example, um, if you're out in a restaurant and your child fears that you're just going to leave them there, 
hand them your car keys. Mm-hmm. That way you can't leave without them. Right. Anything that it takes to make yes. like, make you mm-hmm. feel safe, right? Exactly. And, yeah. you know, you're not going to be able to figure that on your own as a parent. So that's why having open, honest communication is so key because that way you can talk to your child and be like, okay, what would make you feel safe mm-hmm. in this certain situation? Mm-hmm. And also that helps that child feel like they have some control over their lives because right. they have felt so out of control they have had no control over anything in their lives you know they don't even have control over where they sleep or who they stay with you know right so giving them a voice exactly right and there's power in that yes and then that will help with attachment as well one of the things that you guys did that uh helped with your felt safety which made me crazy Mm -hmm. was excessively locking the doors yeah (laughs) you guys both you and your brother both would lock the doors constantly. And I would sit mm-hmm. and say, you're safe. We don't have to lock that door right now, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once I learned the concept of felt safety, like, okay, <laughs> lock the doors all the time. Yeah. And I think, I mean, he was worse than I was. To yes, he was. he was. <laughs> like, to the point where he would lock us out of the house. We got locked out of the house many, many times. Yeah. and had to hide keys in the yard mm-hmm. because you guys would lock the doors when you weren't supposed to and we'd get locked out. Yeah, and we would lock, like, every single door before we left the house and sometimes forgot to take the keys with us. Yeah, because you guys would lock them before we were ready. (laughs) Exactly. But anyway, that's that concept of felt safety. And when we get that in place, then the cortisol comes down, then the behavior's correct. Yep. All of that, right? It's all Um, tied in, and it's all tied into relationship. mm -hmm. Also, playful engagement, right? Definitely. Instead of going head-to-head... Turn it into a, a playful interaction. Turn yeah. it into something light. Pick your battles. Don't exactly. Don't battle over everything. I know, and like things, you know, that some parents decide to battle over, it's not worth it. Like it comes to the point where it's like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you know, if who cares if they don't pick up their toy in that immediate moment? You know, who cares if they come back in five minutes? It's not worth the total meltdown. And, you know, hindering your attachment with that child because they wouldn't do what you wanted them to do in that exact moment. And that, there comes the concept of compromises, exactly. which, which we won't talk about now, but we will in a future webinar. Yeah. webinar but that's a technique to use there. Mm-hmm. Um, so some other things we did that worked, uh, we taught you how to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. Do you remember some of the things we taught you to do when you were feeling angry and needed like a release? Yeah, I mean... You bought me a punching bag for my room, mm-hmm. which was really nice. So basically, mm-hmm. anytime I got angry, I would have a punching bag. And, you know, that was a Christmas gift, actually. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, we were training in mixed martial arts. So UFC was, like, a big thing for me. I loved it. So you also bought me some, you know, like, replica UFC gloves I could use to protect mm-hmm. my hands when letting out some frustration. And, you know, just basically allowing me to, you know, just not, like scream bloody murder but like just like yell a little bit at yeah the, at well the yeah it was an appropriate bag, way to express you know, your anger exactly. yeah you know it's just like yeah just appropriate. you needed that yeah, exactly you needed that outlet those are, yeah those are just some examples of some things that i was you know that you helped me figure out when i was angry and that a big part of that was i could see that coming yeah um and that's that attunement piece yes which is we've critical. said that before but i could yeah. look at the side of your cheek and see that it was red. Yeah, starting to get a little rosy. Starting to get a little rosy. Yeah. I would know something was coming. Mm-hmm. Your droopy eyes. Yep. You'd get quiet. Because you're normally really yeah. silly. Yeah. And um, my muscles would start to tense. And your muscles would like tense. That, and, and you could just tell immediately, like, okay, 
he's angry about something or he's sad about something or something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So let's let's be proactive, not reactive. Absolutely. You know, yes. let, let's, you know, if I start seeing that, okay, let's, you know, I don't know, let's say, hey, I bet I can do 10 push-ups faster than you can. Mm-hmm. And then that's the version of playful engagement. Yep. To head it off before it becomes a problem. Yep. You so know? physical activity for you has always been a big... Oh, uh, yeah. A big help. And even now, like, what do you do if you need to to blow some steam off? Exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's scientifically proven to help release stress. Not just in children from hard places, but everybody, even those who haven't experienced trauma. That's just a general fact. And then another thing we would do is pray. Yes. Right? That was a big thing. Always. Big thing. Even in, like, meltdowns. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, so many times we ended up on the ground for some yeah, reason exactly. because you would drop to the ground in tears mm-hmm. and we would hold you and we would pray yeah right and exactly. sometimes we didn't even know the words no. to say and sometimes we literally i remember we literally said jesus i don't even know what to say mm-hmm. just help us <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't have the words but mm-hmm. you know what we need yeah just help us you right? know and that's just that's so. How how powerful do you think prayer was in in dealing with behaviors and in healing and? It's the most powerful. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think you know I, I'm thinking back like I'm not a hundred percent sure why I always ended up on the floor. <laughs> to be honest with you. You I'll tell you why your body was so tense, mm-hmm. and when you finally let that go, you literally just kind of dropped. Like a sack of potatoes. Yes. It was yeah. like a physical, okay, I can be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and we would always, you know, not always, but sometimes when we prayed, we were on our knees on the floor crying. Mm-hmm. I would be crying. And sometimes then, listening to praise music yeah, on the exactly. floor, right? You know, yeah, just yeah. any sense of like just calm mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. you know. Prayer. And that would sometimes last for hours. Yeah, sometimes it, it, it would. And, you know, and that's that's okay. You know, and you know what? That was something that, looking back, that was such a blessing. At the time, I didn't view it that way. Yeah. But it was such a blessing to be able to devote so much time to you and your brother when you mm-hmm. first came, because that was necessary. Oh, very. That's necessary. what you needed. Exactly. I mean, you needed us twenty four seven, and that's what it takes. It does. It takes it really extreme does. devotion. It takes. You know, an army of people behind you mm-hmm. to support. It takes the love of the Lord. It takes anything you can get to support you through it. Exactly. Because it's not an easy journey, but it is one that I would not trade for anything in the world. I agree. Anything. So one other thing that I want to talk about that we did. Um, yes, the concept is we walk this journey together. That behaviors are unmet needs. We mm-hmm. want to help you meet those needs. We don't want to go head to head. But... At the same time, consistency and expectations Definitely. are critical. Very. Right? Mm-hmm. Because these kids have had enough uncertainty in their life. They've had enough adults saying one thing but never actually doing it. And honestly, I have mentored and met a lot of kids who will tell you they want structure. They want you to take control. They want you to... I mean, obviously, they want some control themselves. But they also want an adult who's going to do what they say they're going to do. Yeah, because that makes you feel safe. And it makes them reliable. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Reliability is another huge thing. It proves that. You're not going to be another adult in and out of their lives. 
And speaking year. of that, dad would say that to you all the time. Mm-hmm. He said, we're going to do what we say. Yes. Whether it's something good, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. a consequence. And we did pretty good with that, yeah, I think. Exactly. Like you, um, you were always like, we're going to be here for you no matter what. We're going to be reliable. You you can trust us. You know? But there were expectations, right? Definitely. Because a lot of families, and I'll be honest, it's hard not to. When you have a child come in your home that's been through so much pain, you just want to love on them and make everything good and easy yeah. and simple. But that is not beneficial no. for anyone because our goal is for you to be you know, functional, yes. productive members of society that mm-hmm. are working on behalf of the Lord that are doing good things. And exactly. without learning that accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is enable these children and their behaviors for not being accountable for their actions. Right. You know, and for so many children, especially me, you know, we want to feel normal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we've had enough people doubt us. We've yeah. had enough people belittle us. Mm-hmm. You know, we want you to just treat us like a normal kid because we are normal. Absolutely. You know, we're yeah. not we're not any different. We've been through some different things than a lot of other children, but we're not different. You know, we should be held to the same standards and held to the same expectations as other children. But there's also a happy medium. You don't want to hold them to a, like such a high standard that they can never reach it. Or you don't want them to like have a standard where it's like, you know, okay, you're in the house, you should be fine. You know? Right, and I think the key is doing that together. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And teaching you why that's important. Do you remember exactly. what dad always used to say to you yeah. when he would, you know, say, this is what we expect of you, mm-hmm. this is because... I'm trying to make you a man of God. Mm-hmm. And I want you to be the best father, husband, and warrior for Christ you can be. Yep. Absolutely. He said that to you so many times. I know. Right? I know. I mean, and looking back now, you know, you're an adult now, Mm -hmm. legal adult, but do you appreciate the structure and the, you know, the expectations? And so it's the perfect, it's trying to find that perfect balance, right? Of expectations, but knowing that we're going to support you and help you get there. Exactly. Is that a good way to say it? Definitely. Like, it is so important to. Be very intentional when you talk to your child about these things. You know, and that's like one of the first, like, I don't know, it was like a few days in after we came to you, you know, we sat down and we made the rules together. Yeah, we did. You know, yeah, you know yeah. we... we um, that was to give you a, exactly. a voice. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of like laid out expectations. Like, this is what we expect. This is, this is the house rules. But we came up with them together and we we are, we sat there until we all agreed on it so that way you give the child some control ownership and ownership mm-hmm. exactly and that way if they don't you know if they um, I don't know break a rule or something like that and they can't come to you and be like well that's not fair well <laughs> you're breaking your own rules exactly like, <laughs> like well if it's not fair then why did you come up with it exactly you yes. know it's yep. just it's just really yeah structure so you don't important. I don't mean to put words in your mouth but you don't think that Having been through, goodness, everything you went through, you know, sexual abuse and neglect and domestic violence and home to home and all that is an excuse um, to behave differently. I think initially, you know, because children are still trying to figure things out. Yeah, yeah. And whatnot. 
you know, but once long term, but yeah, exactly, long term. Once they've been able to heal, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to, you know, be like, okay, we can't. You don't want to use your past as a crutch. There you go. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to use your past as a crutch. Obviously, children are gonna, you know, behave differently in the beginning. I did, and that's what's to be expected. Mm-hmm. That's that's normal. That's okay for that time. But once you've worked through it, once they have healed, and you can truly tell it's genuine healing and you know they're able to start moving beyond it then you don't then you want to start you know increasing the expectations and things Mm -hmm. that were accepted before are no longer accepted slowly over time right slowly over time yeah you know just like like little things Mm -hmm. here and there holding them more accountable yep having punishments might be a little bit you know a little bit stricter because you know they're older they're you know getting towards teenager or Mm -hmm. whatever so they need to be able to function in the world and you know because just because you know you can do something at home for that certain time and then no one ever teaches you okay well now that you're older you that's no longer okay then you go do that yeah it changes as you grow yeah exactly go out into the real world doing that and you're gonna be like well this was okay at home right now so basically, just to, just to reiterate, slowly, you know, increase the, exactly the expect expectations mm-hmm. over time as mm-hmm. they're able, right? Yes, as they're able, not before, yeah. right? But as they're able, that makes sense. So you stopped testing a couple of years in, boy. You you gave it to us for a couple of years. Yes, I did. But then when you stopped, you stopped. Yes. And I don't know that that's always the case. Some kids mm-hmm. test and, you know, it comes in waves. and Yeah. But for you, when you stopped, you stopped. Yeah. And that seemed to be directly correlated with our attachment. Yes. Um, it was directly correlated with trust um, and, and faith in the fact that you were not leaving mm-hmm. no matter yeah. what. And then I can honestly say you were about the easiest teenager <laughs> to raise. I, I mean... So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and you are so, so well-behaved now. I mean, you're an adult, but you're still in our home. And you have been almost perfectly behaved since then. <laughs> and I just want people to have hope. Definitely. So people that are in the trenches right now, um, you know, there were days when I was on the floor in my closet mm-hmm. saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. But I called out in prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord gave us strength, and we did it. Yes. And we did it together. And now here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trent's able to help other people, and he's yeah. learning about behavior and learning how he's going to do that himself. So, yeah. Trent, one last question for you. What advice would you give to families who are like I once was in the closet on the floor? Um, saying I can't do this with behavior, what advice would you give them in this moment, in that moment where they say they can't? Never give up. Mm -hmm. Ever. No matter how tough it gets, no matter how hard, or even if there are times where you feel like, I can't do this anymore, don't give up. Jesus never gave up on us. And what we've done is way worse than what anybody could have ever done and he still loves us he forgives us i mean we sometimes break his heart all the time but he's always there for us he's never once given up on us never will so why should we so we have to continue to pursue Mm -hmm. right pursue the heart yes 
of the child in our mm-hmm. home. Right. The and child that God's placed yeah, in our home. Exactly. We have to pursue their heart relentlessly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, expect troubling times. Expect things to be hard. You know, that that's what happens when you get into this kind of, you know, work. And, you know, when you adopt or foster children, expect that. It's okay. Don't feel bad. If you're in the floor crying in your closet, don't feel bad. You know, that's okay. That's that's what makes us human. But it's what we it's what we do after that that really matters. You know? And I think it's also important for parents to make sure that they, you know, sometimes get a few days to recover and recharge. Oh, absolutely. Especially especially as a you know, married couple, because that takes a strain on your marriage as well. Mm-hmm. And that way, you can continue to help this child that God has placed in your home. And that way, you don't get fried. You know, just hold on. Self-care. Exactly. And, and yeah. Yeah. Just hold on. Have faith. And just keep fighting no matter what. Because at the end, I promise you, it will be the best thing you've ever done. And it is so rewarding. And, you know you will change the entire trajectory of that child's life and yours. Absolutely, because that's mine changed in ways I never, ever Mm -hmm. imagined. And, you know, I just want to thank everybody who's in the trenches right now. Yes. And thank you for answering the call. um, It's not an easy one. For vulnerable children, it's not. And um, we just thank you Mm -hmm. for your dedication Yes, definitely. And, you know, I I like to think of it as, like, you know, in the trenches of, like, a war. You know, like back in World War II or World War I where they were fighting in trenches. You're tired. You're dirty. You know, it's messy. But it's worth it. Yep. And I thank you for that. You know, I mean, from someone who's been through it to see others who are trying and working so hard to make our lives better, I could not thank you enough. I could never express the amount of gratitude I have towards you. You know what? We don't usually do this, but I feel like um, maybe we should end this one in prayer for families mm-hmm. who are struggling right now. Um, are you willing to, to pray yeah, for sure. families? Sure. Okay, and then we'll end on, on that note. Yeah, definitely. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for your mercy, your grace for never giving up on us, for always loving us, even when, you know, we mess up sometimes. You're always there for us. And Lord, I want to pray for every foster, adoptive family, every social worker, anybody who is working with children in foster care and for the children in foster care, and even those who are no longer in the system. Lord, I want them to know that we appreciate them that they are not alone, and that what they're doing makes a difference. And I know that even when it's tough, you're there to keep them together, Lord. And I just thank you for that. I thank you for what you've done in my life. And I thank you for what you're doing in others' lives. Lord, I pray that when times get tough for certain families, that they stick with it, that they turn to you, and they pray. And find strength in you, Lord, because we are weak without you. And all this I pray in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Trent, for your honesty and uh, candor.
candidness as always. Yes. And we hope that this will help others. And uh, please, if you're interested in learning more about very specific techniques, check out our website at www.watchmerise919.org. And we will see you next time. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Watch Me Rise podcast. Join former foster youth Trent Taylor and his adoptive mom, Pam Taylor, next time as they help move children and families from trauma to triumph.